Grab your mug and take a chug. He's about to spill the tea. Saucy chatter on subject matter. It's just between you and me. Sit on back and hear him yak. It's gossip to a tea. It's cup of joe. Cup of joe. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Cup of Joe, a podcast about the absolutely unnecessary things that I think about that I deem absolutely necessary for you to know. From celebrity gossip and entertainment news to Real Housewives and RuPaul's Drag Race, plus the candid celebrity interviews you won't find anywhere else. I'm your host, Joe Drake. Okay, today is a very, very big day over at Cup of Joe headquarters because, which is my living room, because we are joined by our first celebrity guest. I left a hint on last week's episode, and if you caught it, you know who's coming up. The one, the only, Mr. Dorinda Medley. You fool. But before she joins us, we have got to get into the tea this week because we have to talk about Britney Spears. It's Britney, bitch. Okay, have you guys watched the documentary on Hulu, Netflix, or not Netflix, the New York Times presents Framing Britney Spears. First of all, I'm like sort of so into the fact that highbrow New York Times decided to do a documentary about Britney Spears because I think it sort of gave it clout. It's not just like um, a random fan doing some podcast with Dorinda. No, I mean, like it gave it this sort of oomph that was like, oh, wait, this is a serious subject, even though we're talking about a pop star. All right. So if you watched, you you saw at the beginning, there were these hashtag free Britney activists, and they sort of bookended the documentary with these people. And I have to admit, when I heard about the this group sometime last year, possibly even the year before, I sort of judged them. I thought, what are they doing with their time talking about freeing Britney Spears? Like these are taking super fans to the next level. But as I was watching the documentary, I I want to join I want to join this protests now because not only are they doing this for Britney, but it it sort of goes into a deeper meaning about like civil rights and personal freedoms and the problems with conservatorships that I don't think people are aware of. I mean, the the documentary had a lot of great interviews, but one of the, I think the highlight was that they had Felicia on. Now, Felicia was Britney's old assistant and worked for her for many, many years. That was, uh, she was very much a motherly figure. She sort of talked about it in her interviews that she wasn't a big sister. Of course, she wasn't her mom. So they sort of settled on this title of being Britney's assistant. But the one thing that cracked me up is that she has all of these framed records hanging in her house, which I appreciate her uh, being proud, her pride in working with Britney and for Britney's success. But the amount of framed records on the walls was a little concerning. 
It's a tad creepy. Just saying. So what we found out in the beginning of the the documentary, which stood up to me, is that Britney's dad, Jamie Spears, had a lot of... I shouldn't say a lot, but some financial mishandlings and some sort of failed business dealings back when Britney was young, which sort of was a little bit of a red flag for, I think, the viewers, because we all know that Jamie Spears, her father, is now in charge of her finance, finances and is the conservative conservator over her life and is basically in charge. So the more we found out about him, it was like, what? how did he prove that he's the perfect person for this? And Brittany definitely made it clear that she doesn't want her father to be um, in charge. And I think uh, she needs to be listened to. Another thing that was really apparent in the documentary was the amount of inappropriate questions that were thrown Brittany's way from the moment she was on Star Search with Ed McMahon talking to her about boys to a talk show host asking about her breasts, a male talk show host asking a young woman about the size of her breasts. And then another, I think it was a press conference overseas. Someone asked if she was still a virgin. Like in what world was this ever okay Like, I know it was the late 90s, early 2000s, but no one was like, hey, this isn't appropriate. Why are we asking this girl, this young girl, these questions? Because as it was brought up in the documentary, none of the boys, the Justin Timberlakes, the Backstreet Boys, the NSYNC members, none of them were asked similar questions. No one was asked the size of their penis. And no one was asked if they were a virgin, if they were a man. So the double standard was astounding. Now, of course... The continued trajectory of Britney's career led us to the infamous 2007 incidents with the paparazzis and the shaving of the head and the whole, quote unquote, meltdown with the umbrella. Okay, first of all, looking back, I think the shaving of the head thing, while people were like, oh, she's gone crazy. She's shaving her head. Looking back, what a badass move. She literally took matters in her own hands when the guy at the salon refused to shave her head. She took the clippers and did it herself. And I th- obviously it was very much a symbol of you, you like you can't control everything I do. I'm going to watch what I'm going to do to myself. I, just looking back, I think it was so badass and at the time we were all like, "Oh, what's wrong with Britney?" Nothing was wrong with her. She was just fed up with everyone's BS. Um, And the other thing with the the umbrella, beating uh, a paparazzi's car with an umbrella, nowadays with the Real Housewives, we praise moments like that. When the Housewives on Bravo uh, react to something or they act crazy, we praise them. They make more money. They become more famous. They get more followers on social media. But at the time, in 2007, Britney's so pissed off at a paparazzi, she's, you know, hitting his car with her umbrella. We were like, ooh, what's wrong with Britney? Bad move. I mean, it's looking back at what we all did to her and we all thought was okay is just, it's astounding to look back. And I think the documentary has done a lot of good things or is doing good things. And I hope it can shine a light on how we can possibly help her get out of her conservatorship and also help people in the future. Cause this is going to happen again. If we let it to happen to Brittany, 
it's going to happen again. And it's happened to a lot of child stars. And I think the jig is up and everyone who has watched it feels awful for her. They feel angry. They feel sad. Another thing I thought was interesting was Britney's brother gave an interview to a podcast called As Not Seen on TV. And the host asked him what he thought about Britney sort of being controlled and his view on that. So I want you guys to take a listen to what he said and then we can talk about it. I mean, like with the women in this family are very, very strong minded and have their own opinion and they want to do what they want to do. And as much as I admire that as a guy and being like one of two guys in this entire family, it kind of sucks, man. Okay, as a guy, it sucks to have female members of your family that are strong, strong-willed and independent. Now the host, God bless this guy, I don't have his name right now, but the host of As Not Seen on TV, his response was perfect. He was like, uh, that sounds pretty constitutional to me, a human being, an adult being able to be uh, free and strong and controlling and make their own decisions. This was just very telling to me because as Brittany's brother said, he's one of two male members of the family. It's him and it's his dad, Jamie. He had to have learned that from somewhere. And my guess is his father, which is even more proof that Jamie Spears has some ancient view about women and women's rights because he thinks he can control his daughter. And that's exactly what he's doing. Now, I'm sure you guys have heard that Britney's boyfriend, Sam, spoke out on social media this week, and he had quite the mic drop moment. He said, quote, now it's important for people to understand that I have zero respect for someone trying to control our relationship and constantly throwing obstacles our way. In my opinion, Jamie is a total dick. I won't be going into details because I've always respected our privacy, but at the same time, I didn't come to this country to not be able to express my opinion and freedom. Now, since he posted that on his Instagram story, TMZ caught up with him in a parking lot. And he said, he sort of doubled down and was like, uh, I'll, you know, work on mending my relationship with Mr. Spears the moment he starts uh, treating his daughter properly. So uh, I think this is really, really interesting. And something tells me he wouldn't speak out if Brittany didn't want him to. I think he feels empowered. I mean, obviously, I don't know their relationship. But if Brittany was like, the documentary's out, everyone's talking, just if you get stopped by anyone, just please don't say anything. Something tells me... Sam knows what he's doing and wants to sort of get that message out there. This is just a crazy, crazy story. Uh, but like I said, Brittany has requested that um, her father no longer be in charge. She wants the co-conservator Jody Montgomery to permanently replace her father. And sources are saying that she is just downright scared of her dad. And again, I think it goes back to, you know, he was not great. Uh, with business dealings when Britney was young. She's probably aware of that. And her brother is saying things like it's bad that it's a negative thing that the women in the family are strong-willed. No wonder Britney doesn't want him in charge. If the rest of us can go through life dealing with our mental health issues, taking our medicine and 
to seeing a therapist and still dealing with our finances, Britney Spears can do the same. That's all. I mean, this is just a crazy, crazy story. And it's we, we all knew the story, but seeing it uh, beautifully produced by the New York Times and uh, Hulu, their production company, I mean... In an hour and 15 minutes, we reviewed the story we already knew, and I think everyone had a total epiphany about the bullshit that Britney Spears has had to deal with. Anyway, I love Britney. I used to be a huge, huge, huge fan. She was my first concert. I since sort of fell off the Britney bandwagon just because I I feel like I really soaked it up in the glory days. And... I guess it, I felt guilty about, you know, the struggles that she's clearly going through. But I don't, I don't think this is the end of the story. It's going to get it's going to get good. And we can't wait to hear directly from Brittany herself. All right. Moving along, because Miss Medley is waiting. But first, I got to talk about what I am loving this week. All right. What I'm loving is du moi. I always feel dumb saying it. It's okay. If you guys have, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, it's an Instagram account called du moi. And it is as of this podcast recording, it has over 700,000 followers and it is like the new page 6. It's unknown who the name of the person behind the curtain like the Wizard of Oz, but I did DM them and she did reveal that she is a woman, a young, just pop culture obsessed chick that is running this account. Um, if, if any of you guys remember Perez Hilton back in the day, um, who also was featured in the Britney documentary and it reminded me like how gross his site used to be because it was just like beyond salacious and beyond invasive. But um, Dumois is like... It's similar, but it doesn't seem as um, hateful as all of that other stuff. It's very much like blind items, like so-and-so is said to be sleeping with who, or, you know, I heard this person is going to sell their house, or I, I hear a, preg a pregnancy announcement is coming from like an A-list pop star. None of it seems too negative, and that's why I love following it. So everyone should go follow this account, Dumois, D-E-U-X-M-O-I. And it's just a fun, silly, celeb gossip site that I think um, that I think is really fun for you to follow. All right, that's it for this week of me rambling because I just spent 15 minutes talking, and I know you guys are all here because you want to hear from the woman who makes it nice. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. I'm so happy that this is the first guest on the Cup of Joe podcast. And I'm so honored. The one and I only Dorinda Medley. Do you have cup your of Cup Joe of make, Joe? Cheers. Making it nice. Making it yeah. nice. Oh, I love it. Let's take it. Uh, let's take the voyage sip. Yes, the inaugural sip as my first celebrity. Joe, I have guest. to say, I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. You Joe, know, I took, you, time, I, funny, I took this time, I took this time in COVID funny, to just say, no. I'm going to do my own project. Because we, you know, you have to do something in this time, right? Well, you know what? If we have dug deep on anything, we have dug deep on self-motivation. Right. 
because my goodness, there's been times. The problem is that for COVID for me is, I don't know when it started, I kind of was like, woo, let's go to the Berkshires and uh, that woohoo because I was happy about it. But like, oh my God, let's just all stop. I can do this. We'll take yeah, a month, free we'll time. figure it out. Right. We'll figure it out and then we'll come back stronger and we'll take it as a rest and we'll eat and we'll drink and we'll cook and we'll be those fit exercise and do videos and learn Zoom. Right. This wonderful thing called Zoom. Right. Oh, can you imagine? Totally. Well, here we and are, what, after 10 months month, later? And you know, it's really funny, although I think because A, we were just not well informed and it came upon us so quickly for reasons that we don't have to talk about because I, I don't want to talk about politics anymore. I'm OD'd on that for the next oh, totally. two decades. <laughs> oh my God. I don't even watch the news anymore. No, I mean, I watch it on mute. If I need yeah. like a headline and then I change the channel. I'm like, what's going on today? And then it's like, back to Hulu. It's all okay. Are, are, we, are, are we okay? <laughs> yeah. it's okay. Where's my vaccine? <laughs> How about you? How have you been doing? I've been, I've been good. I think the real answer is I've been fine. I had a friend of mine a couple weeks ago asked me how I was doing and I said, good. And he was like, Joe, is that your stock answer? Like, are you really good? Or I was like, actually, that's a really good point. I think I'm just used to saying I'm good. I guess my real answer is I'm fine. And I think being fine is... <laughs> Good. It's good, right? <laughs> like, I'll take fine. I'm fine. <laughs> well, because, you know, the problem is there's, it's not just the COVID, it's the depression. It's, mm -hmm. the, it's the potential loan. Like, people are lonely. I've got to tell you, I do this thing called Cameo. Well, people, you, you book, yeah, you do that. messages. Uh -huh. I cannot tell you how many messages about depression. Really? And, and it makes me really in the sad. Cameo, they're like, my friend is yeah. depressed. That's so sad. My friend is depressed and she's alone and she's been out, not back to work or this one's lost my job. This is for my mother who's alone and so-and-so and she's suffering. Can you give her a pep talk? Can you make oh. it nice for her? This is so-and-so. I haven't seen this one forever. I'm alone. I, I'm telling you, there is a lot of... Um, I'm lucky because you know I have my parents. I am very... I have a lot going on. Thank God. I mean, I've been very busy and I tend to be a person that keeps my, like I can be busy in a paper box. It's just my mentality. Right. I don't know the word boredom <laughs> no. and I'm ADD. So for right. me, anything distracts me. You know what I mean? Totally. I love so, it. Well, the silver lining with that is, is that you bring people joy on these cameos. While it oh, might sound sad that people are depressed and they, but the fact that just a 30 second cameo from you would make someone smile. That's nice. Well, I'll tell you what I, it really made me think I want to do, Joe. I want to train to be one of those suicide hotline people. You would be good at that. I really do. I, I'm not just saying this for your show. I really think, because first of all, I, my mother said to me the other day, the reason you're good at it is because you're not afraid to approach things. Like, I'd be afraid. I wouldn't know what to say. Whereas I kind of do know how to normalize it. But not normalize it, but I, I'm not afraid to talk to them about, hey, what's going on? Let's right. get this. Because I read a statistic that if people that are sort of on the verge of doing something crazy, if they can just connect with one person, then a lot of times it'll break the chain. Right. But don't you have to be anonymous for those things? I feel like you would be better if you could admit who you were. Hey, it's Dorinda. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. It's Dorinda Medley. I'm here to make it nice for 
for you and for everyone. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I haven't looked at my. Yeah, I talked to a friend about it the other day. Who's a doctor, and she said you'd, you'd be good because you 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 know you like to talk to people. I mean, I talk to wallpaper. I love talking to yeah. people. I mean, I'm a commune liver at the end of the day. Totally. Well, I want to talk about the fact that my book's going to be out in June. Let's I'm talk about that about book. that, Joe. I want What's you to hear how excited you are. I am so excited for Make It. It's called Make It Nice, right? Of course. What else would it be called? Wait, what I want to know about the book, is it a coffee table book? Is it, what is it? Or you can't it say is it. A, no, it's, oh yeah. It's about, oh. it's a book about life lessons, my sort of uh, journey from, you know, Great Barrington to today. Why, what, when, where? Sage advice, mm -hmm. great little Dorinda isms, which are uh, the you best know, at the good, the bad, and the ugly. How to you know not give up? Sort of, it's sort of a memoir. It's a you know I want it to be in my voice, and I want it to people to be reading it and hear my voice. Of course, you know because I love a good life lesson. I love a Dorindaism. Yeah. I love, I love, you know, my mother used to always say, no is just a harder form of yes. Mm. And I kind of went through my life like that. How to, you know, just keep moving, keep going. And how at each sort of change, and there's been major changes in my life since I left Great Barrington, how I learned, grew, got through them. And I talk about the all the funny or not so funny anecdotes in my life and stories and, and yeah. things I had to go through to make me I said I said it yesterday to someone, it's really not about Dorinda Sincala, it's not about Dorinda Medley, it's not about Dorinda the housewife, it's not about Dorinda the John and Diane's daughter, it's not about Hannah's mother, it's about all those things and then just being Dorinda today. How did I get to just be Dorinda with no Follow up after I love Dorinda. When, when did you start the writing process? Well, I started it about five months ago. I have this wonderful woman, um, Swan Huntley. Everybody here is ghostwriter. We all know the trauma of the ghostwriter right. around the Real Housewives in New York. That was, right. I think they got a whole couple seasons out of that one. The truth is a ghostwriter is a wonderful way to structure. It's like a coloring book. They color the figure. They write the figure out. Right. They put the coloring book together and it is up to you to, to fill, fill in, in the, the colors and give yep. it a voice. That's great. So that's what I've done. And it's, and I have to say it is hard. It is such a, you know, it's a really, fun, it's not fun. It's really interesting to go through your life because you really look at like, there's been times in my books where I've cried for myself. Oh, I'm I like, bet. Dorinda Lynch. <laughs> that was tough. <laughs> well, it's like you, you remind yourself, did that really happen to me? Yeah. Did I go through that? You know, Hannah, I mean, I think we sort a, of plow Hannah, through life and we don't Hannah, reflect. And my daughter, on... who's a huge writer, has helped me edit it. And I think it's brought us so close because Hannah only knows me as a, a, a woman and a mother. Mm -hmm. Hannah doesn't know me as a struggling young person. You know, right. Hannah doesn't know that, that I, Hannah doesn't realize, like she said, you said something in the book that really I found hard to digest because at one point you say, as usual, I always ran home and sat down with my mother and talked to my mom about all my problems. And she said, I found that very bizarre because like, she's my grandma. I don't want you to, I, I never thought about you treating her as like I treat you. Right. 
like you really went home and cried to mom. Like oh. I cry to you. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I Dang. was you, Hannah. Right. I was a daughter. I, I am a daughter. Sometimes. Right. I was scared. I, you know, was like, I'm never going to get married. My life is a disaster. I got divorced with a young baby. You know what I mean? A young child. Right. So, you know, I, I think it was fun for Hannah to not look at me, look at me out of the box of being a mother. Because totally. Hannah thinks I'm omni, you know, strong. I never let anything get me down. And it even made her understand the process of me going through Richard's death better because, you know, when I went through it, everybody was crying except me because I knew if I started crying and falling apart, the whole house would come tumbling down. So I'm very operation normalized. I'm like, breakfast is ready. <laughs> Thanks, yes, I mean, of course I'm doing Thanksgiving. Everything's fine. Yeah, keeping fine. it moving, keeping it moving. Yeah. You know what this reminds me of? After we talked, after all the Housewives news came out last year, you said something to me that I haven't forgotten and I wanted to bring it up on this podcast. You said housewives for me was just one part of my quilt. Yeah. There are I other parts other of day. your quilt. You're a mother, you're a daughter, you've, you've lost a husband, you've- Yeah, I've lived, worked in you, fashion, I've been married, I've been divorced, I was a single mom, I have, you know, I've achieved and that's what the books taught me. Listen, I think, you know, it, it is true. I said it to someone else, you know, we all have patches on our quilt and some patches are prettier than others. Now, if your life is a big quilt, then what patch is this? And it's very interesting to look at the patches and understand them for what they are, why they're placed there, why you use those colors in your life. And housewife was one of my patches. And I don't, you know, People, someone actually said to me a couple weeks ago, you handled it so well when you left. You never spoke of it. You never went on a whole. Yeah, why said, didn't you do that? Because I don't think there was much to say. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a job. I think I was, as I said in this article with Christina Jamaldi the other day, I really enjoyed it. I don't feel like I wasn't beloved. I don't feel angry about it. I think things change, they make shifts, nothing, you know, it may, it's, are you going back? Aren't you going back? Who would know? Right. You know, I mean, and, and at the end of the day, I don't have any, I enjoyed the experience. Oh. So someone like they, and you know, your Christina took some, said something and everybody's ran with it. You like, I got all these texts. It's amazing. Cause I'm kind of out of it. Uh -huh. And I forget that voice has power. Right. But I tell you the Texas, you really miss it? Do you feel sad? No, but we miss anything. Of course. That, you know, you do for six years. I had a positive experience. I have a good relationship with Bravo and Andy. Right. I still have a good relationship with the girls. It's not like, I don't if need you said to go you... on a bandwagon and talk about why I, I didn't get cheated. They made right. a decision. It's a, a bigger decision than just you know, what a bunch of influencers think. It goes right. higher up or lower up and you have to- It's, it's show business and people forget the word business in that. And I think you made the right decision by not speaking out right away. I think um, being quiet and just being Dorinda, like you said, and at Bluestone Manor was the right way to go. Um, but you, well, I think- I have a lot. Listen, I didn't, the great news is Joe, and you know me off the show and I've been yeah. lucky enough to develop, you know, not just, you know, when I first met you, we, I was just a housewife, but I think throughout the years, you realize, you, you think of me as that as part, 
that's not who I am to you. I'm your friend. No, you know we've I mean? become legit friends. Yes. So I think that what, what, what gave the world an opportunity, I think, to see, which I've really enjoyed watching, is that I always had, it's not like I was created by the housewife. I've no. always had this life. So when people see me now, they're like, well, she's kind of doing the same stuff she, she did on the housewife. So it's made it more real for the audience. Right. You know what I mean? Dorinda kept going and it's like, oh wait, that well, that is Dorinda. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bluestone <laughs> you know Man is real. It's really been my house since 2005. You know, yeah, I she feel... didn't have to give Bluestone Manor up. She didn't rent it. <laughs> it didn't no. belong to Bravo. I still have my, you know, I've had this apartment since 2001. I still have all my friends. I now keep doing all my stuff. You know, we filmed for the four months. We I've stayed in contact with a lot of the girls and can I tell you though, I think life. it was meant to be because every this whole thing was a pause, COVID, the pandemic, everything that we're all going through. If there's ever a time, and they, they use the term pause, which I don't, I, what was that? <laughs> which I hope that means we're, I mean, I we're getting you back in some form. But <laughs> when, it, when I was told by Andy and Shed Media, you're on pause, I was like, oh, that's terrible. Oh, thank you. Oh, wait a second. I didn't know where to go with it. It's like, no, completely. It's, it's like, like, wait, what? It's like when Nutrisystem asked you to be the ambassador, you're on the, one of the ambassadors for Nutrisystem yeah. right now. So when they called me up, I was like, oh my God, I'm both incredibly proud and offended at the same time. <laughs> no, totally. It's like, am I supposed to be the new weight loss spokesperson? Meaning you thought I was fat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. You always make it. I mean, I have lost 13 pounds from it. No, you look amazing. I've I need to been. do the Nutrisystem because I've gained like 400 pounds in COVID. I've just been like Joe, eating let me just show, my feelings. Let me show you my, can I just show you my face? This is how I live now. And the idea of not having to go shopping and have, I just love it. Everything's color coded. I have red for dinner, blue for lunch, yellow for breakfast. Oh. And then I And have how much have you snacks. lost? How much? Thirteen pounds. I'm thin. I'm gonna you send you a great. picture. After, I'm gonna send you a picture after this. You can't show anyone because I'm completely naked. No. Okay. Don't worry. It's a podcast. <laughs> it's only. It's 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 not a, a visual platform. <laughs> Wait. I want to go back though because it, you remained quiet when housewife when the housewife stuff happened. But I think the first time you spoke was with Bethany on her podcast. Yes. Yes. And I want to ask, you know, I used to work for Bethany on her talk show. Did I ever tell you that? Really? Isn't that with crazy? Terrence? With, with Terrence. Terrence. Yeah. Back in the day. So what I want to know is I feel like Bethany and you had some good times when the news broke. And I feel like it's, it looked like she swooped in to like have Bethany some like- Bethany has been a great friend. And you know what people, you know, Bethany is, uh, you know, she's just been a great friend and she really was there for me. And she wanted to make sure that she pushed me through the process. She pushed me more than I would have pushed myself. I would, to quite frankly, I would have done nothing. I would have been like, I'm not, I'm like a turtle. When people, people don't realize something about Dorinda Methy. And I'm going to give you some real something about me. I am literally tough on the outside and like a marshmallow on the inside. Hannah yeah. calls me the great tortoise. Okay. <laughs> I am the great tortoise. I keep it moving slow and steady. But if I, I look strong, right? My so hard and strong. But if I get hurt, I'm like, whoop, I go yep. right back in my shell. And I don't speak a thing. I don't, I don't, 
I actually world, I know you're not going to believe this. I don't, I get my hurts. I get my feelings hurt very badly, very easily. That doesn't surprise me the more I've gotten to know you. Yeah. You know? So instead of like crying and screaming and yelling, once it's, I'm really hurt, I just disappear. I was like, I literally, after the Bravo called, I was, it was like sliding doors. I was like, see ya. And I (laughs) see ya. Gotta go. Just shut the door. How did, how did Bethany push you? Because I saw you guys took the boat ride, you went to dinner, and I just just knew knowing Bethany, I'm like, I bet she's really helping Dorinda through this Mm -hmm. moment. She just was there. She was, you know, she, she just stayed positive. She's a very, listen, she's a very strong businesswoman. And she was a friend. And people don't realize that Bethany and I are friends, not right. show friends. We're friends. It's been, like, again, it's been developed over the years. And we actually got much closer when she was off the show. Mm, interesting. Because, you know, the show is a lot of pressure on our friendship sometimes. Right. And they shift. And we just... um. And we actually, Bethy and I have a lot in common. We can talk about, we can talk about toilet paper forever. Right. <laughs> we go on these rants. She's like, you know, hey, listen, who do you think is the head that's in charge right now? I'm like, I, I don't know. Okay, let's go through it. It will spend an hour. Okay, let me talk to you about toilet paper. I mean, we just, we have, because we love stuff. We love right. information. We love it all. We love it from the bottom up. Absolutely. And she really gave me some sage advice and was consistent and she kind of helped me take the fear out of it because I don't care what you say. I mean, I think a lot of people that are screaming and yelling after they get fired is because they're hurt. They're, it's scary. Change is hard. Mm-hmm. Okay? Any kind of change. And, you know, the housewives for me, you know, I was like, oh, oh, I was really devoted to it. So for me, those four or five months, I was like, I jumped in, like, you know, jumped right into it like a cold pool. I, you know, I, Bluestone Manor my whole life I was a big person with props and things and like I really was vested in the whole thing right you committed 150 percent for me it's like going to play for the NFL you know what I mean when you're in season you're in season right you know and you have you can't you see blinders so any kind of change is difficult and it was six years and you know you're sort of like wait what and like I said on Bethany's show I I really didn't think I thought I, I, how do I say this without saying sounding conceited? I thought I was too valuable. (laughs) No, absolutely. That doesn't sound conceited. I mean, that's why I think everyone was so shocked and upset fan wise was because we all recognized you as a valuable asset to that show. But they're changing. I don't think it, I mean, I think they just were changing it up. And I think- And I think they called it pause because they are not, you know, they didn't know at the time. I don't think, I mean, dare I say this without getting in trouble, but I don't think they really realized how many, you know, my audience spoke for me more than I spoke for myself. Like when I woke up the next day after (laughs) I did that crazy at six in the morning, I just literally woke up. I was like, okay, thank you everyone. I got to go now. Goodbye. And I thought that's it. I'll get in the car and go to Bluestone Manor. And, but I think when I saw that, how, it was really, I cried when I saw how people just really responded. Yeah. I mean, I was like, wow, I felt loved. And that's nice. And it's nice it that you were really able to nice. let your fans speak for you because you were able to yeah. be quiet. They did for me. That was, I couldn't do for myself. 
Absolutely. All right. We won't harp on Housewives too much longer, but I want to ask, you just had lunch with Leah. Yes. I How was Leah. that? I think everyone was happy to see you guys back together because that was a dynamic duo. I think everyone fell in love with last season. Love Leah. I think she's doing a great job. She is, yeah, I stay, I, I, you know, I enjoy her and I have a different kind of relationship with her because, you know, I am a lot older than her that we don't try to, you know, I, I think I'm more of like, um, we're, we're friends, but I also can be like a little bit of a, I can sort of mother her through the process. I see right. a lot of me in Leah. Oh, for sure. You know, like I remember being her age and being single still. And, and I think Leah's going to end up getting married in the next couple of years and how, and just, transitioning into a new life. I can just feel the energy because everyone knows I'm a bit of a white witch. <laughs> I, I am. I love it. Um, I, yeah, you are. I am a bit of a white witch. I just feel that energy for her. And I think she's a go-getter. I enjoy her company. And you know what? She was, we were just, because I haven't seen anybody because of COVID and sort right. of consciously and just, I've been up with Bluestone Matter. She, it made me so happy that she was you never know, you know, you're, you, we, we're layered in this thing because you're housewife people and because of this, and then they're filming and you don't want to be intrusive on that. So you know, for a minute there, I was a little nervous, like, wait a second, should I not be doing this? But the truth of the matter, it was a waterfall moment when I saw her. She was just happy to see me and I was just happy to see her. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's two girlfriends having lunch. It doesn't have to and be any deeper than picture, that. You can see in the picture, we're like sincerely happy to see each other. Totally. I right, love the that. picture speaks for itself. Right. All right, I have some fan questions that wrote in that I promised Perfect. I would ask. Okay, so Jared from California is asking, the guy that Dorinda is quarantined with at Bluestone Manor, is that her new boyfriend? No, Greg Calejo. No, I've known Greg for almost 30 years. Greg is one of my oldest, he's like family, um, friends, and... It is an oddity. He came up the weekend after, um, what's his name? The shoe designer, Atwood. Um, what's oh, the shoe designer's name? I don't know. Um, you know, the famous shoe designer, Atwood. Uh, uh, oh God, oh, my fashion friends are going to kill me for not knowing that. Yeah, let's look it up right let's now. Let's look it up. I, I, Wait, I thought he played for my team. I, he does play for you, your team. Okay. That's the whole point. I've been friends with him for a hundred years. He's like my family. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. If, if, I said to him the other day, if if this keeps going, you may just have to jump over to the other side. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to be in here I any mean, longer, come on now. <laughs> um, I can't. Brian Atwood. Brian Atwood. So I, we were all supposed to go to Brian Atwood's party together, and I ended up going to the Berkshires, and then COVID it, and he said, "I'll come up for." couple of days because so he's always at Bluestone Manor and uh he came up and just I was like well just stay there's no point in coming back so we right. thought that would be three or four weeks and here we are so he kind of flits between New York and up in the Berkshires and and it's been so nice to have him there because good you need somebody I mean, well, you need someone all... in your pod pods are yes, important he's part of my I have quarantine my best pod. friends that I see pod. and that's all I've been seeing for the past year and I don't I, I don't know what I would do without them I would Isn't just be sitting here talking about how close you've gotten to, like I've gotten so close to certain people that I wouldn't have gotten close to if I totally. wasn't quarantined. And like deeper, sort of more meaningful mm -hmm. conversations and just moments, you know? Yeah. 
Okay, Robin from Chicago is asking, her family seems a bit more reserved than she does. Where does her wild personality come from? Have you seen Melinda? I was going to say, Melinda's not the most shy. <laughs> but I feel like your Melinda. parents, we were talking about them earlier, they seem like such my lovely... Parents, my parents are like, honestly, God, they're like something out of a Hans Christian Andersen uh, fable. I think, I literally think they're elves. I don't even think they're human. The other day, my mother called me up and she's like, can you do some grocery shopping for me? I said, sure. Can I get a box of Christmas? Can we get some Ritz crackers? Can we get some Cheez-Its? Can we get some uh, chocolate kisses? I'm like, what are you people else? I mean, what are you just Like, what is on this, the North Pole? <laughs> I said to her, I said, what is, I said to my brother, there's like frosting coming out of their chimney. I said, hey mom, do you want me to pick up some vegetables? Now we're not doing that anymore. I said, you're not doing vegetables anymore? Now we're past all that, we're old now. I said- oh, That is hilarious. <laughs> they are like so my parents, gnomes. Who are these people? <laughs> they are the sweetest kindest people that think I am the most fabulous thing that has ever walked the earth. Let me tell you about my mother and she's bought it now. Whenever I do something bad on TV, I tell her it's scripted. She's like, well, I knew Ooh. that. And whenever I do something really good on TV, I say, can you believe that's an unscripted show? She goes, I knew it. So I got them. Oh, uh, that I is a covered. genius tactic. Is that how you got away with everything on Housewives with them? Everything. I was like, can you believe they scripted it like that? She goes, I just can't, but that's television. That's television for you. <laughs> well, that segues perfectly into my last question from a fan. Brian from New York is asking, any regrets from moments caught on camera filming Housewives or filming anything else you filmed? Of course, because you know why? It's like asking me, do you have any regrets in life? I put it all out there, Brian, from where are you? New York. <laughs> <laughs> Brian from New York, I put it all out there, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I give it to, I gave it to you like a gift to do what you want. Judge me, love me, hate mm -hmm. me, stay with me, go. And that is called an authentic badass bitch. Totally. And you are a, an authentic badass <laughs> bitch because you didn't come on TV to give us picture perfect Dorinda Medley. You and left that lie. to your parents with their Swiss Miss and their cocoa. <laughs> I did lie, you know. If you like, if you liked it, it was, was true. And sometimes when you didn't like it, I mean, listen. Some of the things that happened, I wish that I could have. I was stronger in, but doesn't really matter. I think you know what the good news is, Brian from New York. Mm -hmm. It was damn good television. Isn't damn that good. all we want? Yes. I mean, let's not let's not get <laughs> too deep about cheap, it. It was entertaining nice as hell. Party, Maybe at St. Ambrose at two o'clock, we'll get a nice tea, some small sandwiches, and we'll have a nice, sweet. But how many, how many episodes do you think that's going to give you? Yeah, no, totally. We will be tuning out. Okay, when I get the vaccine, I'm coming to Bluestone Manor because how many times have we tried to plan this Jeez. trip? Like 17. My friends at this point are like, are you going to go visit Dorinda or what? Because I keep like. You have to. But now Lushto Manor is a magical place. It's a living, breathing thing in my mind. People come and it changes them forever. I'm not just saying it because it's mine. I'm telling you, it's almost the land of the um, Druids, okay? It's like the Druids oh, on glamorous steroids. 
there is, you, you walk in and the music starts. Hannah always says to me, the only thing that Bluestone Manor is missing this, that when you press the gay thing, music should come on. Do, 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 do. Welcome we, to Bluestone Manor. Yeah, with you. Welcome I to am Dorinda Medley, and I am going to make it nice for yeah. you. Hey, we, we can we cleaning. can install that. We can be seconds. cleaning. We will be decorating. We will be making it nice. Oh. So please drive up the driveway and park your car appropriately to the far left. Oh, that would be amazing. But you know who I want to come up with is Rihanna. Did you die when she said she wanted to come to Bluestone Manor? I, 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 yes. Do you think yes. it'll ever happen is, the, is my no. last and final question. I'd be, I would be, I'd be a nervous wreck. I'd be, no, I would but come I'd up love, and help you she not is be welcome. a nervous wreck. Rihanna is welcome at any time. You know what I think about Rihanna? I think Rihanna's like us. I think she's a down to earth. Oh, totally. I, I think I'd girl. be nervous the first five minutes and then we'd all pour ourselves martinis and have a She loves to fantastic cook. Time. She's very spiritual. She's a hard worker. She is, I mean, she's, she's actually DM'd me quite a bit and I've yeah. DM'd her back and every once in a while I have a couple too many drinks and I'm like, I'm DMing Rihanna and she DMs back. I'm like, because that's who I am. Okay. That's what that's what happens to me when I'm drunk. I'm like, let's call Dorinda you and you called <laughs> Rihanna, but I'm that much closer to meeting Rihanna through you. <laughs> wow. I was very honored that she, you know, took a notice to me. That was good. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on and being my first guest on this podcast. I hope I did a good job. I've got a great lineup of people coming up in the future, but this just means the world to me that you came on to be number one. Of course, one. I love you. I love you. And what are you I'm doing the rest of the day? I'm editing my last two chapters. Wait, tell I'm everyone when the book comes out. The book, Make It Nice, is going to come out hopefully in June. Okay. Um, I think it's really going to be a fun journey. I think people will get to know me a little better. I think they'll laugh, they'll cry. They'll uh, see that, you know, you can, if you put your mind to it, you can do it. There are really no roadblocks in life that you can't get around mm -hmm. if you try hard enough. As, my, as, as Mama Diane Sincala said, no is just a harder way to yes. That's my new favorite line that I learned today. Thank your mom for me. Well, we love Diane. I'm not going to lie to you, Joe. I took a lot of credit for my mother's Dorinda-isms, but she yes. was happy to give them to me. I love it. I love it. Well, they thank made you a lot so of much. money off of them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>